welcome to the Chirpin' Birds podcast. The Eagles fall to Washington uh, for their first loss of the season. A lot of mistakes, a lot of questionable refereeing, um, a couple unfortunate uh, moments and uh, news this morning um, with injuries. But they still sit atop the NFC, still in the one seed tiebreaker over the Minnesota Vikings, and they're eight and one, first place in the division by a game still. Uh, yeah, I mean, you thought they wouldn't go 17 and 0. Uh, before the season, we were guessing about 11 wins. So, you know, they're three away from that uh, with eight to play. I believe. Yep. Eight, eight games left. So just past halfway point of the season, how are you feeling about the loss, the team in general, your day, all that? Yeah. Well, the, the first loss of the season, it's never easy. Uh, you kind of do feel spoiled that it comes this late into the season. But I think when you like the game overall was incredibly winnable. Um, they were, 10 and a half point or 11 point favorites at home. You know, the Colts backup quarterback. I, I think when you look at all those factors, it's it's a pretty disappointing loss, especially when you look at all of the mistakes they made. I think you can make a very long list of, um, you know, the things that are correctable or the things that are kind of fluky, but it really was just a mess of a game. So like, yeah, big picture, it's one loss. Like, you knew that that was going to happen at some point, and I'm sure you could find the silver linings, like, or, like, the team needed a wake-up call, or, like, finally they can, like, reset and stop worrying about, like, that elusive goal of being undefeated. But I would have liked for that first loss to come in a more uh, – in a game where the Eagles played better and were left with, clear things to work on rather than like obvious mistakes that if you make any week like your odds of winning will plummet so i think like bad game overall it is i guess one silver lining is it's a short week uh they're on the road this week going up against the colts so i think they're set up for a nice bounce back performance but yeah, this this one just sucks. It's it's a stinging loss, um, but from everything that we know about this team and from everything that we've heard and seen from this team, I do think it's something that they'll react to, and you know, course correct. So, not really concerned, but still left with a pretty uh, pretty disappointed, um, you know, overall like. Just a real bummer of a game, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, to start with the bad news first, um, the the most concerning thing to me is now the whole league on prime time has a blueprint or somewhat of a strong or stronger blueprint on how to beat the Eagles uh, than they did before the game. Uh, Jordan Davis was obviously missed. Um their their d interior d linemen were not very good against the run 
Um, and, and their, their run defense was very poor. Um, uh, you know, teams, I think Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly voice pointed out, uh, that a lot of teams that are, uh, clearly the inferior team going into a game, uh, use time of possession and, uh, and, and that kind of thing as, a means to hang around and in this case, win the game. Um, but it, it's been a concern for uh, a little bit. I mean, they, they did shut down um, Najee Harris, but uh, uh, they, they did not have a good run, uh, a good defensive game against the run against Houston uh, before the bye playing Dallas, like uh, Zeke and, and Pollard had a, decent uh game against them they had some issues against james connor um the week before that so it's it's been a and obviously deandre swift week one you could probably go through each game and see uh the the norm being they they had some trouble with a, a running back rather than uh uh dominating them or or taking care of business with with a, a good running back so um that that kind of uh is concerning when, when you look at the schedule you have Aaron Jones coming up you have Derrick Henry coming up you have Zeke again you'll have Saquon twice uh it's 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 a concern and obviously you look on the next week you have the arguably best running back in the league Jonathan Taylor uh, uh next week and one of the best uh run offenses uh in the league even though the Colts I wouldn't say are uh I would say team. this this season he's he's been uh well, he's been injured he's, he has been injured but even before he had uh, missed those few games like a pretty lackluster season thus far and a lot of that's because of the quarterback um performance whether that's Matt Ryan or Hellinger but also that offensive line's really bad so like I think like last year it was much different. He was like, I think we saw how he could shine as a running back. I don't think that's really the case this year, but. Well, either way, he's a good back. He Which, good. You would say he's better than the Washington's backs. Much better. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you look at their stats, they, uh, Brian Robinson ran the ball 26 times. Uh, Tony Gibson ran the ball 14 times combined. They had over 120 yards uh, and two touchdowns, uh, one apiece. So I am going to push back a little bit on two things there. Um, and first, like the Eagles run defense is obviously a weakness right now. We've known that for a few weeks. Jordan Davis is kind of the the thing that makes everything fall into place with the gaps that he can eat up. Washington really leaned on the run game. That was obvious. Uh, if you factor it in, all the all the players on their team, whether you know in, this is including uh, scrambles, so it's not officially all designed run plays, but all plays that resulted in a run. Uh, they ran the ball forty nine times for one hundred and fifty two yards. That's a pretty inefficient clip, and no no player on their team ran for more than uh, over three and a half yards. So that's that's pretty meager. So it's like it was well contained, but it was very consistent. 
And like, I, that to me just shows that in this one game, the, the, the commanders were able to piece together a very uh, fluky game plan. Like if, I saw a chart, um, their, their success rate on first and second down. So just measuring, is it a productive play uh, for what you would expect? The first and second down success rate was awful. Um, but their third and fourth down rate was really good. And over the course of a game, you may be able to win that way. But over the course of a season, that's that's an awful blueprint for winning. It's just like, at least how I look at it is like, this was an incredibly fluky game. If you're looking at it through that lens, like they did not have a sustainable, productive running game. They had enough to uh, get it to third down. They had an incredibly good third down offense, which was also not uh, sustainable or reliable. All their all their third downs were like third and one, third and two, though, and they're averaging three some yards a carry. It, I, I, it, I would say most of it was like third and medium, and that's when Heineke was finding guys downfield. On occasion, there was a few like third and fours or third and five when they did um, get it uh, via running the ball. I don't, it didn't strike me as like, it wasn't a dominant running performance. And like the numbers show that it was just, I don't think the Eagles mixed in enough negative plays to get them into third and long. And on occasion when they did, I think he was able to like find McLaren downfield. So I don't want that to sound like Homery though, but like, if you look at the numbers, it was not a good offensive game plan. It's just, they they made it work essentially. I, I think objectively it was a bad and inefficient game plan, but against the Eagles poor run defense, whether they just didn't show up tonight or they're actually have a bad run defense without Jordan Davis, uh, they, they ran the ball for three, about just over three yards a carry. And if you do that on first second (laughs) third down you're almost at the sticks you're almost never getting a first down if you're doing it by that if you're doing it by those numbers well the The average three 3.1 yards per carry terry mclaurin had like 10 catches for 120 some yards also and uh i i don't know how many were on third down but it felt like he heineke was finding guys wide open on third down when they didn't run for uh every every third and short it felt like they got because of the their inability to stuff the run and there were some momentum swings where they did stuff the run a bit but then they turned the ball over right after which is not a defense issue um but that that felt like the um the you know like tackling felt like the 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 weak spot and it did feel a little fluky week to week it 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 was strong and weak and not every other but a couple a couple random games in there the tackling wasn't so good and uh now with jordan davis out it it was much more apparent that they have issues stopping the run especially against these big strong power backs um so I, I don't think I agree with you that the the numbers say it's inefficient and it's a, a bad 
game plan, but it, it worked against this team. And that's the it concerning part. I think that's what, what makes it pretty. Uh, and it worked for four like full Like any other time a team runs for just over three yards per carry and they do that almost 50 times a game, like that team will be losing. Like if you just kind of, like a lot of things broke the commander's way here. I'm not just talking about calls and turnovers. Um, that's why I'm like not trying to, I know the Eagles run defense has been bad. I wouldn't point to this game as one where it's like, that was really bad because league wide, if you're holding a team to 3.1 yard, 3.1 yards per carry, that's overall really good. Yeah. I, I, when you get four or five yards per carry, when you start to worry, if you can hold a team to that, they'll probably stop running the ball. I thought that's what was very interesting was that the commanders thought that, that was the best way to um, approach this. Like it kept the Eagles offense on the sideline, which is very clear that they're a much more explosive offense and they can rack up the points. So not only are you keeping them off the field, you're staying on the field with the ball, you're running the clock, uh, you're tiring out the Eagles defense, which was starting to get worn pretty thin uh, as far as guys getting nicked here and there. So like not a bad game plan overall, but I think when you start to look at it um, and the numbers, like to me, it's just like nobody would sign up for that. Sure. But uh, I, I think it's, I think that was the, the strongest defensive uh, issue of, of the game was not being able to stop the run. I, I thought, you know, Terry McLaurin, seems to trade off with Darius Slay uh, every year with one game he gets dominated by Slay and the next the next game he he dominates Slay so he had a really good game I don't even though he had a really good game I didn't feel like he like wrecked the game or really uh um was hurting the the defense to to an extent that they would give up I don't I'm not going to say 32 points well the defense unless you're playing fantasy it would it would be included in the special teams but uh, or no I guess it wouldn't because it was no, an offensive it's against play. the offense yeah that, so, I'm not even counting that like that's a so that, that doesn't touchdown. count but uh <laughs> but you know it's 26 points uh, I wouldn't say that he was responsible for them scoring over over 20 points or, or anything like that, but um, uh, the the inability to stop the run, I, I think, hurt them. And and you saw that in the interception, there was a throw into double coverage. It's a poor decision, and they didn't force him to to throw the ball too much. And credit to Washington and Heineke for uh getting the ball out quick and uh having those little paper cut uh death by paper cut short passes um but i i would i would say the majority of the uh problem with the defense was was the run stopping um gotcha yeah i i think for me like obviously it was an issue because the the commanders felt so confident doing that that they like they could uh essentially inch their way down the field by doing it with the occasional uh uh first down or 
yeah, getting a first down on a pass. I think that, like, to me, this is the classic Gannon game. Like, it's just rearing its ugly head where, like, he may have sent, like, one or two blitzes the whole day, but I think the the real issue for me was just the defensive line not getting home. They they got home on, like, what, the third or fourth play of the game. It's a strip sack. He got a touchdown three or four plays later. That was, like, the last time they got uh, really close to him <laughs> up until the point where – Brandon Graham got flagged for touching them. Um, so for me, that was like, they didn't, they didn't put pressure on Heineke. Um, give him credit. He didn't make too many mistakes. You mentioned the one he threw up to CJ. Um, but backup quarterback, you really hoped like to keep, to put the ball in his hands and make, make him make his own mistakes along the way but you can't do that by playing off coverage and just like waiting. Like they didn't, they didn't put the onus on him. They kind of just said like, all right, we'll be there when you're ready to trip, but they didn't really put him in a position. They didn't, they didn't make him feel uncomfortable really after that uh, first defensive drive. So yeah, we, I feel like we've talked about it for a million years at this point. Gannon's kind of had that, he's had a longer leash because the season has been so worry free and ultimately the defense has performed at a very high level but in this game like the the commander's offensive line like they were they were giving Heineke a lot of time uh a stark difference and I'm sure like it could not be more clear how Wentz like wandered into sacks in the first game and Heineke was very smart and maneuvering around the pocket getting rid of the ball when he needed to, uh, giving it to his running back and looks where he thought that was advantageous. So I, I really just think the the defense was too uh, pedestrian as far as pressure. And they kind of just like let Heineke just, you know, waltz down, <laughs> down the field at a very slow pace. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the offense because – in a in a game where they technically uh you know i guess i guess the offense is the only uh uh unit that could give up the ball cuz they have the ball but um in, in a game where the offense gives up the ball four times uh and you're blaming them less than 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 the defense at least that's how how i view it i I think Jalen had a a good game. I, I don't think the numbers uh, and the interception really reflect how how he played. Um, the interception was just a, a tough a tough play. He put the ball exactly in AJ Brown's hands, and that's all yeah. you can ask him. It was, it was him a really good do. play by the cornerback. Um, safety, I who. A safety, uh, Forrest, I believe. Um, the, the Goddard fumble, I I think was just another unfortunate moment. Uh, you know, there was the missed face mask call that everyone's freaking out about rightfully. So, um, the quote from the referee, I forget who posted it on Twitter was basically like, we're, we, we didn't see a face mask on the field and the replay we were looking to see if he touched the Washington player, (laughs) Uh, so totally sidestepped the question, which 
to be fair, if I was in his shoes, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, it's, it's just a shame. Like, I, I wish the NFL, like, we saw how <laughs> we saw how big of a mess it was when they allowed reviewable uh, pass interference. Like, that was a one-year project and it failed. Yep. I don't see the harm in making it's not personal... arbit- it's, it's not arbitrary. It's it, yeah. It's why clear not? And why obvious. not make like. Uh, like contact to the neck or head or face mask or like these things that are clear and obvious <laughs> like why not do that because that had such a big not just this i mean this this had an incredible impact but like those plays always do yeah like if it's a play that knocks somebody out of the game wouldn't you want to get the call right i would yeah i don't yes. get it like it's and like they opened the can of worms before, and I think I think they did it on a, on something that was very subjective. So I don't get why they wouldn't go back to that because like clearly there was a willingness to try out something new. I, yeah, it's it just the, really annoying as a fan to see uh, a very clear missed call have such a big or uh, a lack there of a call to have such a big impact on the game because. He doesn't get that face mask. I think it's pretty obvious to fans. He <laughs> has his head screwed on straight and can see the guy who's coming to swipe at the ball. At least, like that's my opinion. How did you feel about it? Like, yeah, no, I agree. I, there, for the replay, like no one's gonna ask, is is this a face mask? Like it was asked, what what is a catch? No one's gonna ask, what what well, what's a face mask? Like that was clearly a face mask. They might have to define it more like if the fingers wrap around but don't twist his head, like maybe that's not review overturnable in the review, but it it was he was brought down to the ground by his face mask. And uh it was it was just a unfortunate call on a drive that they were in rhythm. Um I thought the offense was surprisingly in great rhythm despite like feeling that they hadn't been on the field for months uh between drives yeah um i i think the despite all that they were they you know they had two drives where they were felt they they had the the feeling like they were definitely going to score had the misfortune not happened uh, the Goddard face mask fumble was one of them. And the Quez Watkins fumble was the other one. Like that play seemed uh, easy, uh, just like how the offense has looked all year. And uh, he was what down at the 25 or something there uh, before he gets up and, and fumbles. Um, and that was really the, the nail in the coffin of, you know, things not going your way. Uh whether it's in or out of your control, like the interception and the Goddard fumble, like felt like the ball wasn't bouncing our way, but we were still in the game as a one score game. And the Quez Watkins fumble was just a shot in the foot that's yeah. in their own foot, not someone else's. Um, and, and that really like took the, took the air out of the sails because they, uh even more so like they they did go three and out when they got the ball back after that and um 
that yeah, the third and out was brutal. It already felt like it was kind of over after the fumble. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't as frustrated or I, I feel like I got all, I, I felt dead inside after the fumble. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't get juiced up for the three and out after, but they, I, 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 I believe like they, if, if, if that ball was not fumbled, they would have scored. They probably won the game. Uh, they, they had, they felt like they were yeah, going to score on the I, Goddard. I think they, I think they could have and, ran the clock if, you know, that Watkins. Yeah. Ball doesn't like, so, you know, if he tragic. just kind of sat there and got touched down, then, uh, I don't know if people, you know, if they lose the game, if they're like, oh, we should have got up and kept running. There was some, uh, I, I wasn't looking too hard, but uh, argument that the ball was underthrown and it should have been a touchdown in stride. I think at that point in the game, like Jay, what what we've been saying all season and, and basically Jalen's career, one of the things that he needs to do is lead a, a game winning drive from behind in the fourth quarter and they were well on their way to do that twice. And um, unfortunately, the uh, you can't really fault Goddard, but uh, fortunately, the the receiver there uh, couldn't couldn't hang on to the ball. Um, yeah, or just you know, it's a bad beat again. I, I think incredibly fluky. It's not an excuse, but like it's the type of just like weird, wacky play that just probably won't see again. <laughs> In any given season or not each individual season, like thing in this is season again yeah i i feel like the fluke is the the combination of all the weirdness mm-hmm. uh like uh, one of those plays could happen every game or every other game like yeah you can uh, you can you can stomach one of those things happen it's just the all-in-one batch that makes you go crazy yeah so um, if only Devonte, when he dove for the Quez fumble, like punched it instead of tried to grab it, like it could have went out of bounds. I feel like that that would have been like Eagles ball in the five. That would have been a a, a nice bounce, but yeah, wasn't um, close enough. It was, it was headed towards the sideline. Yeah, one thing uh, worth mentioning: AJ Brown tweaked his ankle early in the game. He was gone for maybe like a drive. I want to say a drive or two came back it's like you thought he was good but clearly he was kind of uh i don't want to say it was like a strategic like kind of like a ghost player out there but i think he only only had one catch on the day and it was that catch that he got injured i think uh i think he said that he like tweaked his ankle so like it was something that impacted his game it seemed like he was in good spirits after the game like I, I saw something from a beat reporter saying that like he was all smiles and like he said like he's not the type of guy that'll let one game like you know I mean he's ain't one like how how upset can you be with that even the night after such a calamity of a loss so I, I think that's a like a it sucks because <laughs> like he's your best player on the team essentially and for him to just be like to take an injury and be taken out of that offense like that will had a had a clear and obvious effect. But I guess looking forward, like it doesn't sound like it was a serious injury. Fingers crossed. Uh, we should go back to Goddard and say that Mike Raffler reported that he's going to be out for um, he'll miss an extended time with a shoulder injury, which I guess that's like on the impact of his fall. Like, cause you know, 
face mask and shoulder don't really go hand in yeah. hand, but I guess it, it kind of twisted him up there. Um, he did come back into the game, which is interesting. I guess like when you're in the moment, uh, you still have adrenaline that keeps you in the game. And of course they can give you other uh, stuff on the sideline or in the locker room. So uh, I guess that's like the morning after. And I don't know, they, they didn't put him on IR yet. It's still on the table, obviously. I don't think we'll know for sure for a couple of days. I imagine maybe they're kind of shopping around, getting opinions. There is the new NFL rule of he can only bring so many people off of the IR. And I know the Eagles aren't really close to it. I forget what the number is. It's, I think it's something like between six and eight. But I, I think going forward, like that number can kind of creep up on you. And obviously, like, they wouldn't be shy about using it for Goddard and Jordan Davis, but I think it is something to keep an eye on. Like we saw uh, the Cowboys, uh, they didn't put Dak on IR, even though he missed the minimum four weeks. So it is something that teams are factoring in. Like there is a bit of strategy involved there, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really bad news after a bitter game because it should have been called the face mask, it wasn't called, led to the fumble. Now it leads to him being out for, at minimum, like two or three weeks, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be up to Grant Calcaterra and Jack Stoll and Tyree I like, Jackson. I like the very Calcaterra Philly pronunciation. Calcaterra, yeah. Uh, hey, what, but what's I mean, the, What's the it, thing, Grant Calcaterra? But what we've seen uh, with Grant Calcaterra is he has uh, potential, I, I would say. Um, he had that one 40-yard catch. <laughs> right. I guess that was it, but uh, you don't see him on the field too much. Um, but with the A.J. Brown ankle, uh, it seemed like it was sort of a weather, like it was just coming out of a break, like weird tweak situation um do you do you have any thought about like whether or not the games played a little differently in the cold weather and uh i know defensively speaking like gannon has historically played off coverage a lot but um do you think any no like, i mean not, it was, not it was dry there man? right when you when you say weather really what do you mean it was, well, dry. It was it's cold yeah but cold doesn't mean you're gonna trip on grass does it I don't well you're you're more stiff like oh yeah I, I don't I, I didn't look at it like that I think I don't think it was a like field a, field weather related and and that he slipped or anything I just think that yeah like I think it was something like with his cleat like his it wasn't the first time he had like yeah. a misfooting so no I don't uh I don't think there's like any sort of AJ Brown can't play in the cold or anything. I think it was just. Well, I don't mean him specifically, but like in general, playing in the cold, more risk of injury, harder to stay warm, all that. Honestly, I didn't even think of it. All right. Um, yeah. So Eagles, uh, eight and one. We mentioned where where they kind of sit in the in the league. Um, they're eight and one along with the Cowboys, uh, the, not the Cowboys, the Vikings, sorry. 
they have the tiebreaker over them. Uh, Vikings just beat the Bills in a wild finish. Yeah, what a, what a game that was! <laughs> quite a quite a that's an all timer. Yeah, uh, an all time couple of minutes at the at the end there, and then the overtime. But uh, you know, Saints lose to the Steelers. Cowboys lose to the Packers. Overall, outside the Eagles' performance, a pretty solid week. Um. If you think that we're going to move on without talking about Brandon Graham and that late hit call. Well, I was, I'm still upset, upset about it. I'll say, I don't think it was the wrong call. I think it was an awful call though. Like, yeah. I, I, th- I think the, like, like I, I know I'm going to compare two very different sports, but like, in the NBA, when you're in like the last minute, it's a close game and there's a contested layup, say, and that there's body contact. You only call that if it's egregious and obvious. And you know that when you call that, it better be clear because it'll have a direct impact on the game. So only call it if it's warranted. I think the ref probably probably made the right call by the book and that he kneeled he gave himself up he's a defenseless receiver at this point can't be touched because the ball's already dead however when you look at it uh with nuance and the reality of uh the play through the player's eyes the whistle wasn't blown when he kneeled it was blown like less than a second before Graham touched him, the ref said there was neck and head contact. There wasn't. He he got a bad look at that in real time. And I get that it's close and that it's a tough job, but like I think if you pulled half the fans there, well, I guess that wouldn't even be good because <laughs> not not an impartial uh crowd there. But I like it, I don't think it was obvious. And like if you look at the situation, he didn't need to kneel. It, it's an odd thing to do at that point. He wasn't near the sideline. He didn't kneel immediately. Kneeling stops the clock. Or sorry, kneeling doesn't stop the clock. So like, what's he doing? Like, it's just, it's a strange thing. You would expect that a player wouldn't give himself up. So to expect that a, a player, like less than half a second after he hears the whistle can pull up and not touch him is like asinine. And he clearly wasn't going after him like a late hit. That's why I think like you try to read what's happening. He's pulling up. He's on his knees before he touches him. He's he's clearly trying to decelerate. I just think it was an awful call. And you can judge all that, the the baiting of the call from Heineke's reaction. He knows he just won the game there. Like that's a player beating the ref, not a player beating another player. That's that's how I look at it. Wasn't wasn't a wrong call. It was just an awful call. Yeah, they that's how they're calling that. And in real time as it happened, it looked worse than it was. Um I I, I yeah, I mean I, I agree. I, I don't know. They from a entertainment standpoint, like you should want to give Jalen Hurts the ball back 
Um, I'm sure yeah, that's like, the other thing. Like you're, you're, you're ending the game there. You yeah. have to know that if you're making that call it, there's like, it had like, if I'm a ref there and like, this is me trying to like, not be like a homer, even though I know that it's not the case. Like if I'm a ref, I'm only making that call. If it is like vindictive in a dangerous play, which like it wasn't, he was clearly trying to pull up. And if you want to even take it a step further, Brandon Graham has such a good reputation on and off the field, you know that he's not a dirty player. So I, I just I mean, really Hertz call. has been hit uh, sliding a lot, um, which I, I think the rules are are the same. If you if you slide, you're giving yourself up. Um, Heineke wasn't a runner, but he was out of the pocket. So uh, I I don't know the specifics of all those rules, but um it it definitely was a tough call and uh, a frustrating way to end the game but uh if you listen to Jalen and Nick after the game like I I'm more annoyed with the ineptitude on defense against the run the fumbles of course like there's there's so many other mistakes that the game shouldn't have come down to that call so i was sort of um i I agree with all of that like yes they that was like mistake number 15 or 16 in the game and they like i would hope that no player in the locker room was like that's why we lost but (laughs) the refs ended the game early with that call and i think to rob the players of the last minute, whatever. I, I think it's just a real shame for to make such a um, just a silly call. Yeah. And yes, it's not like that call determined the outcome of the game. I think it it, it determined you know the last chance. It kind of robbed them of it. Uh, and while while we're on the topic of uh, gripes and bad calls, the CJ uh, late hit. I didn't what he's, player was in bounds. Yeah, it's again, it's just another bad call. I, I thought it was it's like the first game that I'm really going to whine. So let me do it. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I just uh, uh, I, I think losing the World Series and then a week later, like have playing horrible and and having all these egregious calls against the, the Eagles is just uh um i need a i need another win just to coast a bit get yeah. get get myself worked up this this brought me back to uh it was it was framber valdez right the guy with yep. the the glove it brought me back yeah. right to that yeah. sort of maldonado like, illegal bat yeah <laughs> um yeah. all right so uh, we won't be recording later in the week, so uh, we're going to do a brief, hopefully, preview of the Colts game here in the second half of the pod. Um, Eagles, go on. Do you have anything else in the game? Um, yeah, I'll just mention because we, we didn't get a chance to. Maddox was put on IR before the game. Right. Uh, obviously, a very big absence. They... Josiah Scott filled in for him. I thought he did a pretty good job. He had an early pass breakup. Uh, and then I guess just looking forward, we don't have injury reports, obviously, because those come out tomorrow. Uh, Dallas Goddard, as we mentioned, he'll be out. AJ Brown, I don't think he'll be out, but that's just something to watch. And 
Josh Sweat, he was another uh, important player who left for a period of time. That made me very nervous, and I think like a lot of Eagles fans nervous because he has a pretty concerning injury history with his knee, but he was able to return uh, after a pretty, not like a lengthy absence, but like he missed a few drives. So another thing to keep an eye on uh, this week moving forward. Oh, and one last question on the game. Were you relieved or was any part of you relieved that the undefeated uhness of the season is is now no longer a talking point and they're a normal team no, again. I, I hate that. Like if you if you looked at this game and said, I'm glad it's over, like you're crazy. This was such a winnable game. Like I said, eleven, ten or eleven point favorites at home against their backup quarterback in the division. If you could have gone up three games on the Cowboys, uh, kept your lead on the Vikings, who just had a really good win. I'm not buying any of that. We, we the team was going to lose at some point for them to lose like this was one of the worst ways they could have ended the streak yeah it is interesting like you, you think after an eight and a start one loss wouldn't be a big deal but since all the other teams are so <laughs> close to them it's like man they they could have been you know they could have won lost on carson's go. return game well i know yeah. he wasn't playing well, he didn't play. first appearance. if he lost to carson if carson played they would have won that game for sure that they, they would have gotten up for that like the crowd would have been in it it would have been totally yeah. different but uh yeah i mean eight eight and one hard hard to complain but it was a really fluky game and uh, I don't know how much is indicative of of the team outside of the the run defense, but I think it's something that they'll they'll work on and they can address. And it's been a one a few of uh, uh, one of few flaws of of this team. And um, the the plus side is uh, I was thinking it in the first half, like they've only had the ball twice and they've scored a touchdown both times, so they're definitely not like playing bad but the commanders are just holding onto the ball the whole game they ended up scoring touchdowns on uh, 50 percent of their first half drives uh having only four uh to their 13 or whatever i don't know felt, felt like 13 drives uh 10 maybe 10 in the first half i don't know um and obviously different story in the second half but anyway so they uh, fly to Indianapolis to play the Colts on the road. This was a uh, potential circle on the schedule prior to the Carson trade, as Carson uh, was a Colt, but it's no longer. Um, Jeff Saturday, named head coach, is undefeated as a head coach. Now, uh, after beating the Raiders last week, uh, this will be his first true test as a as a head coach, a leader of men, if you will. Um, then he his first uh, matter of business was reinstalling Matt Ryan as the number one quarterback uh, on the team. So Eagles have a very good history against Matt Ryan as a Falcon, obviously beating them in the Super Bowl year in the playoffs. Uh, Matt Ryan, a local uh pen charter pen mm -hmm. something uh school um yeah we, what town was he from uh, autobahn right no, Audubon. no that's flacco 
um it'll come to me or i'll look it up yeah so they they have a good uh talented uh offensive weapons uh, with michael pittman jr jonathan taylor uh paris campbell uh, it's a name you know obviously they lose zach pascal who uh, is now an eagle um as far real as they're real quick did you see him in heineke they did a jersey swap yeah they did a jersey swap old dominion oh uh, okay that's what it was okay i thought it was uh kind of random can you name the other odu uh character no travis fulgham uh okay great <laughs> um and quentin nelson their all pro left guard other than that uh oh and their right guard former eagle matt Pryor. As far as their offense goes, you like Mo Alley Cox, their backup <laughs> tight end. I do now. So, didn't didn't you? Maybe I mentioned him before, but I don't. I have think a you part- wanted to draft him. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't have like a particular interest, but um, he's kind of been like a fantasy guy, like once every season or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, pretty disappointing team coming off of last year's team. That was, uh, you know, they had a, they, get, they had a good amount of pro bowlers. Obviously they disappoint. They don't make it to the playoffs. Things crash and burn. They trade Carson Wentz. Um, they get Matt Ryan. They think that he's really going to unlock the team and he really just looks awful. Uh, they move over to Ellinger. Things don't really look different. They fire Frank Reich. They bring in Jeff Saturday. And lo and behold, they beat the Raiders. Um, and I, I have seen like some, uh, at least his media, fr- friends in the media, like at ESPN, like really kind of um, hyping him up, which, you know, maybe it is deserved. Like maybe it is really hard to come in on a short week and you have a, control of a team that you, that just called you the week prior, literally during their last game. So not, not trying to minimize it. It's obviously quite the achievement. However, let's remember it's against uh, the team who is responsible for the projected number two pick in the upcoming draft. So, you know, the Raiders are two and seven now. I don't know if that's really something to hang your hat on, but Hey, you play the teams on your schedule. Um, Really, really bad offensive line. They do have Quentin Nelson, who's uh, one of the best guards in the league. He's had injury trouble recently. Um, Alec Pierce, he's a rookie wide receiver uh, who has made the occasional play. He's kind of uh, the guy that you go to on a, on a third down and the other team wants to pull their hair out because of it. Paris Campbell, he's like... He was the guy that the Eagles were considering drafting instead of JJ, I believe. That was the guy that Laurie was like, no, no, no. I wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't have been uh uh it wouldn't have been DK, it would have been Paris Campbell, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. So and they they also threw him under the bus with like he had uh like a red flag for injuries. So um he's kind of He's like on the fourth year of like his post hype uh, expectations, but 
even Michael Pittman's had kind of a down year because of the quarterback play. Um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, very talented. He's kind of had a tough, tough go of it this year against that offensive line. Last game, he he goes off has a has a classic Jonathan Taylor game, puts up 147 yards. Um, they really just lean on him when they can. So we know that that'll be a matchup to watch against the Eagles, who are kind of uh, kind of left trying to figure out what to do with with no Jordan Davis. I thought it was interesting that they didn't elevate Marvin Wilson for this game. Uh, obviously, it was elevated last week for the Texans game. Um, but yeah, for this game, they elevate Andre Sastre in his stead. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. Like, they kind of have all of the options that they have at the moment. Like, they're not, they were past the trade deadline. They tried their defensive tackle in the practice squad. So at this point, it's really a scheme adjustments and they're going to need to come up with an answer for Jonathan Taylor and Matt Ryan uh, pretty much just a shell of his former self. I don't, he doesn't scare me, but I don't think like he's also a quarter. He's also like a savvy vet who like, you can't just like wait back and let him pick his adventure similar to Heineke. Like he'll find a way if you give him away. So like, you do need to kind of force an error or at least build up that lead. So again, I, I really hope Gannon uh, makes some adjustments and comes out with uh, just something that's a bit more challenging for the opposing quarterback. Yeah. I think getting pressure on him being old and immobile uh, mm-hmm. will be key. Um, they'll, they'll, have the blueprint, get the ball out quick, uh, run the ball well, all those things. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I'm nervous about any of these players specifically, um, but I'm more nervous about the Eagles bouncing back and having an answer for their deficiencies last week. Um, moving to the defense, they got a couple. Strong edge rushers, uh, Quiddy Pay. Uh, I think he's in a second year out of Michigan. Um, and Yannick Ngakwe on the other side. Um, solid, solid uh, edge rushers there. Um, I don't know much about their interior linemen. Um, and then the the reunion of uh, safety, Rodney McLeod. Um, he's obviously a, a little more up there in age now, but uh, still still was a good player. Uh, they have Stefan Gilmore at corner. Um, same same thing, a little older, still still good from my understanding. Um, so you know they they have a strong linebacker uh, group um, or they did last year, a few injuries this year. Um, I, I'm not, overwhelmed by this defense but they they have a couple pieces yeah them uh them missing Shaquille Leonard their star linebacker he's on IR that's it's a pretty big deal I believe they've only missed one game without him against the Raiders so like Raiders obviously been awful I don't think that defense has really been put to the test since that uh designation so they do have some pieces 
I do think that he's kind of the the heart of that defense. That's a that's a pretty big miss. And honestly, like uh it's kind of a bummer because like that you would go right at that group without a uh, Dallas Scotter, but it's kind of a one for one in that regard. Like you you do wonder how the Eagles can um account for his absence because he really is uh, a pure double threat and what he can do for the running game as a blocker and obviously what he can do for the passing game as a, a receiver. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have too much else. Uh, you know, poor offensive line, Jonathan Taylor, Jeff Saturday. I feel like those are the highlights of this team. That's not very good. Um, like we said, they're coming off the win against Vegas. Prior to that, they lost three straight. Um, uh, the over-under set at 45. Eagles are six-and-a-half-point road favorites. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I saw late last night. It opened after- at 11. Yeah, I don't. I guess a lot of that's in regards to Goddard or right. like the market course correcting. Possible, maybe uh, the league has a much lower opinion on the Eagles, like I predicted. Um, would you like to guess where you think that most outlets will have them in the power rankings now? <laughs> how how far of a plummet is it? As definitely still has to be top five. Maybe it's. I think we're going to see like some two under Minnesota, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't I feel be like surprised. Got to fall. I think that like some outlets, like even like uh, you know, just to boost engagement, there's going to be some six or sevens. I bet. Yeah, that that'll really piss off some some fans. All right, you want to get into predictions? Sure thing. All righty, um, my first one here. I have Jonathan Taylor exceeds 120 yards. It's kind of obvious, like he one of the better running backs in the league he was injured he's now back he has he has a pretty good game under his belt this is like a prediction i am rooting against but i haven't really seen um i, I guess that's not true i haven't we haven't seen the eagles bottle up uh running back since jordan davis has been on ir so fortunately i think he's gonna have a pretty good day uh, I, on the other side, have Miles Sanders, 20, 20 uh, carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. Um, I think he, he's going to have a big game. They're going to have to establish the run, control the clock, get back to their bread and butter. Um, for some reason, they didn't really want to run the ball uh, this, this past week. So I, I think they're going to get back to that. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little disappointing and a little confusing too. Um, but uh, the the offense, like you said, like it, it never really got like truly out of rhythm. Like they did have the really crucial three and out, which was disappointing. But like, there's never really a time where like, man, this offense can't string together any sort of drive. Like they didn't really go with. Uh, Sanders too frequently, but I, I think this is a game where you do want to lean on him 
uh, build the lead, and then from there kind of just milk the clock. So I could certainly see them uh, re-emphasizing Sanders. Um, second one here I have, this is kind of a follow-up on one that I made a few weeks ago. Uh, Robert Quinn finally gets his first sack. And separately, I think Matt Pryor is responsible for at least two sacks on the day. Um, That's good. Yeah, Qu- Quinn's. Um, I forgot. I, I honestly I forgot he was on the team. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair to put it. Um, I don't know what his. I haven't really looked at his snap counts, but like maybe he sees uh, a tick up in them with uh, Josh Sweat getting uh, hurt last game. Maybe they don't want to give him a full starter share just to kind of ease him back into things. So, yeah, Quinn, I think uh, with this offensive line, he's got his work cut out for him. And Matt Pryor, we know he's a good depth guy, but it's pretty crazy. He's, I believe he started uh, on the Colts offensive line at four different spots so far this season. So, like, they're kind of uh, using him like Big V, like, like how the Eagles did. And I think, like, he's clearly not that quality of a player. And um, their playing styles, I think they match up in a really bad way for the Colts. Pryor's more of like a, kind of like a gigantic human. He's kind of like Milata without the athleticism. And uh, just to revisit a few, week back, a few weeks back with Quinn, he's got one of the uh, best first steps in the league. So I could see him really getting on uh, Pryor quick and just turn the corner and getting to Ryan, who we know is kind of a statue back there. Yeah, uh, sticking with sacks, I think uh, Jonathan Gannon will be a little more aggressive this week uh, as to right the ship and give me a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson sack. Oh, that's fun, like uh, blitzing from the slot. Yep. He almost had one uh, last night. Yeah, that was like one of the few times they brought any sort of pressure uh, and we should we should give CJ's flowers. He continues to six in a row, be there at the right time. Uh, really, really fun player. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I, I guess this is a question for uh, the off season. But like, do you think he's on a different team next year? It feels like if they don't get an extension soon, he's kind of gone. I don't yeah. know if they'll be able to afford him. <laughs> I, I yeah I don't know there's so many free agents uh coming up that I, I wonder if they're in the middle of negotiating a bunch of people but yeah. and hopefully it, the it, extensions start coming but yeah. you, you you need to figure out Jalen's contract uh first and foremost I, I would think yeah I I did hear um elsewhere I don't think the Eagles can actually make him an offer until the first day of next league year. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it's it's just I don't know how all that works. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's just you know how his uh, contract is like he's not eligible for an extension until he's on the last year of his deal, which CJ is and Hertz is not. Um. But of course, if CJ goes elsewhere, that could potentially factor into comp picks. But anyway, I come back to my third prediction here. 
uh, and that is Tyree Jackson is activated. Uh, he's coming off of the IR. He had his practice window activated. I believe this is the last week for that as an option. So he pretty much has to <laughs> become activated or he's out for the year. Uh, it's coming back from, uh, remind me, was it ACL? Or, yeah, I think it was ACL. It wasn't, I don't think it was Achilles. Um, he was injured the last game of last year, week 18. Um, so yeah, he gets activated. He gets a few catches. I could see him almost being like, uh, I don't see him getting a starter share, but I could see him getting the like effective start in the unit. Um, so I think he gets a few catches on the day, but I think he's kind of thrust into that tight end one role. Could be wrong there. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do there because, you know, Stoll is more of a blocker. I don't think they'll have him in any uh, 11 personnel, which is the three wide receivers, one tight end. Just because he's not really much of a playmaker, I don't see them doing that with Calcaterra either because he's not really much of a blocker. So it's kind of a tell that it's a pass play. So maybe Tyree Jackson's the best of both worlds in that he's got a he's got a pretty good frame and he can catch. So I think he's like the the best one for one replacement for Goddard. So yeah, give me a Jackson getting in on the action on his first day back. All right. Um, my third predict. By the way, my prediction last week for the game was Nick does not wear a visor, and I was right. He wore a knit hat. Um, just pointing that out for for fans scoring at home. Yep. Uh, my third prediction: Fletcher Cox will do a classic crawl on the ground finger point, indicating a sack. Uh, I think he has a. Avenge game of, of last week, uh, pretty non-existent last week. Uh, I think he's gonna have a, have a game now that, that they lost the game there. There's probably some more juice in the locker room. Like gotta, gotta come back out with a win. Have you seen his tweets since the game? He had like a bunch of smiley faces. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to read him. (laughs) I don't, I don't know either. It's probably about something completely different but yeah. I, I think Fletcher Cox will, will have a, a good game next week he needs to step up I have been like encouraged by the players reaction to the loss like they're not aside from Hurts, which takes he like takes everything like earnestly and like he's kind of the template of like what you want your player to say and do even if it is boring but like this the team seems to be like in pretty good spirits like they're honest in the reflection of the game. Like I saw Jordan Mailati is like, yeah, we play like shit. Like if you play like that, you're going to lose. So like, I do kind of like, if there's anything that makes me a little bit optimistic, it's like the makeup of the locker room. And, uh, you know, they just, they seem like they're locked in and they're, they're in it together. So, um, yeah, it makes me feel a little bit better, even if it's like them conning me, but. Yep. Uh, player of the game. I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. I don't know how many times I've gone with him this season, but I'd say it's a pretty good bet after a pretty quiet game, as long as he's healthy. Uh, I don't see anybody in the secondary who can really – I don't think there's many guys in the league who can catch up to him or lock him down. He can uh, – you know, we're not too far removed from a three-touchdown game, so 
you're never far away from one of those. And I think he and Hertz uh, connect up after a game in which they pretty much couldn't find each other. Yeah, I got, uh, like I said, my prediction, Miles Sanders. Uh, I think they're going to try to run, dominate the game. Uh, the O-line might be, you know, Jordan Mailata had the shoulder injury. I think a lot of them will be amped up to to play better. Uh, give me Miles Sanders with the with the touchdown there. Nice. Um, I am curious. So, like, we saw how much the line moved from was it ten? You saw eleven. Eleven to six and a half. What do you think happens from here? Because it is only Tuesday. I think I think the line goes back up to like eight by uh, Sunday. What do you think? I think barring any other injury, yeah, that's probably right. But six, I don't know, six and a half is pretty decent that the home team gets three. It's like nine points. Yeah, I, I just think with like all of, like <laughs> if if the Colts didn't play the Raiders this week, like they could be like in true like train wreck that's also on fire and like going down a hill very quickly, like their last three games, just like the, the benching of Matt Ryan, the firing of their coach, the bring him back, hiring Jeff Saturday, like it all just reeks of desperation. And uh, I think over the course of the week, like I think we got all the bad news out of the week, knock on wood. And I think like it could just be like, I feel like Eagles fans could move the market with the confidence for the team. So just something. Yeah, the Colts beat the Chiefs this year. Yeah, they kind of find one of those for any team. But um, yeah. final score prediction, I have the Eagles bouncing back on the road, 27 to 20. How about you? I have the Eagles bouncing back on the road, 24-17. Okay, so both the same margin, just over the six and a half. Um, our last order of business your hour um our three and seven new orleans saints new orleans saints uh they go to no they're home against the the rams come to the new by four Uh, uh they're favored by four points currently on the fourth overall pick the Rams own the eighth, or the Lions do, but the Rams are at their eighth at three and six. So hopefully there's a Saints loss. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we're not, it's not clear if Matt Stafford will be back this week. He's still in concussion protocol. And <clears throat> the even worse news is that Cooper Cup will not be playing this week. He's getting right. surgery. So um, let's go Allen Robinson. Let's see if he can uh, make that, uh, earn earn that contract you just signed because I could really appreciate a win. Indeed. And uh, at least the Saints lost this week. So we have that. 
Um, Eagles, eight and one, no longer undefeated, still number one seed in the NFC. We'll be back after the Colts game. Uh, it's not yet Thanksgiving, so I won't wish anyone a happy Thanksgiving until we record next. For Mike, I'm Ian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>